Once again, welcome. My name is Ron Cooley, and I am one of the pastors here. Our scripture passage for this morning is coming from the, uh, from the book of Exodus. We're going to read from chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. And this is what we're told. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. <laughs> That's why the place is called Marah. Marah means bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you will pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your God, who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week, we started a sermon series here at Hillside called uh, Looking at the Ten Commandments. But one of the things we talked about last week is that context matters. Wherever we are, context makes all the difference in the world. And it certainly does when we read the Ten Commandments. And so we talked last week about the place of the Ten Commandments, about where they fit in the story of God's people. And if we don't get this right, the Ten Commandments will be a problem for us and, and, and just a burden for us. But we need to understand where they fit in the story. And we we talked about that. We talked about the place of the Ten Commandments. And we said that the Ten Commandments come after God has rescued his people from Egypt. It's, It's not that God said, if you keep these commandments, if you make me love you, if you make me think you're good enough, then I will rescue you. No, that's not how it works. God says, I'm going to rescue you out of my sheer grace. I'm going to set you free from Egypt out of my sheer grace. And then I'm going to say, this is how you live. Exodus 20, verse 2. Verse 3 is the first of the Ten Commandments. But verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the, the, uh, brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God says, before you hear me say, you shall have no other gods before me, hear me say, I love you. Hear, hear me say that I rescue you. It comes after God rescues his people. And that has a, a huge impact on, on the purpose. The next thing I want to look at today, the purpose of the Ten Commandments, that they're not there to save us. I want to look at what I think is a fascinating story. We just read it, but it's Exodus 15, 22 to 27. And it's one of those passages you read, and at least my first reading of it, it's kind of like, okay, fine, nice little story. They were thirsty and they drank. But let's understand what's going on here. And let's get into it. And, and I invite you to try to imagine what it's like. Again, context matters. So let's, let's set this story. It's again before the Ten Commandments here, all right? It's right after God has brought his people out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. It was horrible. It was horrible, bitter slavery. Their lives were rotten. And, and God came and said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And if you know the story, it, 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 Pharaoh said no. And God sent the plagues. And finally, after the last plague which was the death of the firstborn sons. The people of Israel were safe because they had the blood of the lamb on their doorpost. Then the angel of death passed over their place, all right? But, but, but the Egyptians lost their firstborn sons. And they said, get out of here, you Israelites. We don't want you around here tomorrow. Get out of here, go. And so they went out, and God told them to camp right near the Red Sea which the Israelites soon began to wonder whether that was a good idea because Pharaoh did what Pharaoh always does. He changed his mind. 
And he said, I don't want to let them go. I don't want to give up free labor. <laughs> I, I can't handle the cost increases if I have to pay people. So I'm just going to... And so he sends his armies, his horses and his chariots, and they go flying after the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are now caught between, as it were, the devil and the deep blue sea, right? I mean, they've got the Red Sea on one side. They've got Pharaoh's armies coming at them from this side, and there's no place they can go. And they're saying, uh, God, why did we camp here? And God says, watch, this is why. And God takes the Red Sea, and you may have seen this, this is kind of one of those famous scenes from the Bible, but he parts the water of the Red Sea, and the people of Israel march through on dry ground, and when the armies of Pharaoh, when they get through and they get up, up to in the middle of the, the Red Sea, the waters come back in, and they're all destroyed. And so the people of Israel now on the other side of the Red Sea, and in many ways, what, what they are is this is what, what we say, they're saved. This has all been by grace. This has all been by, by God's un, unconditional love for them. And, and, and so as we think about coming to Jesus Christ in our lives, when we receive that grace, in a sense, that's where Israel was. They had been saved. Egypt, they're set free. Egypt is on the other side of the Red Sea. They don't have to, they're not going to be chased anymore by Egypt. And so what do they do? They do what we should do when anybody comes to Christ. They celebrate. They have a huge party. Exodus 15 verse 1 says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. And it wasn't just the guys, and it wasn't just singing, because Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, she took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing, okay? We sang about being free and dancing in our freedom. And they sang to them, Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Who remembers that one? Come on, yeah, there we are. For those of you who don't, you're lucky. Uh, no. <laughs> but right, we, they celebrate, they have this great party, okay? Everything's exciting. But here's the deal, they're not home yet. They're not at the promised land yet. For us, it, when we come to that place where we accept Jesus Christ, we're, we're saved, we're forgiven, we're justified, all our sins are gone, but we're not home yet. And that's where Israel is. Home is still a ways away, and actually it was even further than this in reality. But they have a journey to make. They have steps to take. And, and again, this is so pertinent for us because this is, again, where we are. We have been, if we are in Christ, if you haven't, then talk to me after the service about how to be in Christ. But if we are in Christ, we've been saved. And now we, we, we begin a journey. And now we start to walk through the desert. And, and now we have to learn and trust until God brings us home. So they start the journey. And it had to be, well, yeah, let me show you how they start. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. So they've been in Egypt by the Nile, and, and Egypt by the Nile is gorgeous, okay? It's green. It is unbelievable. I've been there. It's beautiful. The Red Sea, you're going to have, again, life. Now they're on the other side, and Moses says, let's go. No, let's stay. There's water. We're at desert. None of them have been to the desert. Only Moses had been out there for any period of time. And so as they start the journey, I, I would imagine, on the one hand, they're excited because they're free, Right? They are free, but they're also nervous because the desert is a dangerous place. You can die out in the desert. And like I say, they don't have a lot of experience in the desert. But I think really, as much as anything else, they were confident. 
I, I think they had this deep sense. And, and again, they would have seen God at work in, in all the plagues. They would have seen God at work in the parting of the Red Sea when God made a way when there was no way, right? They would have seen all of that. And they would have said, if God can defeat Pharaoh, he can certainly find us water through the desert. If God can defeat Pharaoh, he can certainly find us food when we need it. I would imagine he actually has some really nice camping spots in, play, in store for us. Yeah, it's the desert, but it's going to be good because we got God. And it's going to be great. It wasn't. It wasn't. They left, and uh, the first day, probably not so bad, but they didn't find water. Again, remember, they're in the desert. For any of us, one day without water, and you will start to feel dehydrated. By noon of the second day, they would have had headaches. They would have started to feel lightheaded. The kids would have been crying, and, and, and the babies would have been screaming because they, they're just, and, and everybody's tired, and the animals are starting, and, and they didn't find water. And the third day, the sun is up in the middle of the sky, and they still haven't found water. And, and they're struggling, and they're starting to feel it. For three days, they traveled in the desert without water. God, where are you? This is now, and we've got to understand this, a life and death situation. This isn't just a little lack of comfort. Three days in the heat of the desert without water, and people will start to die very, very soon. But then again, you've got a million people. It's a big crowd. Rumors start. Someone thought they saw water. Someone said there's water up ahead, right? Someone said that they, they saw that. I, I heard it was a fresh spring. I, finally, I can't take another step. I can't go any further. And you imagine that first person, right? He comes up to the water, just jump, just, just dives his head under the water, and it's so cool, and it is so refreshing. And then he opens his mouth and says, oh, I get a drink water. And then he throws up, spits it all out, because it was bitter. And it was bitter in a bad way. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water because its water was bitter. That's why it's called Mara. You got to understand, this isn't just like saying, well, bitter chocolate isn't fun to eat, but if you need energy, you can eat bitter chocolate. No, this is, you can't drink this stuff. It was impossible to drink. And there they are with what they need, but they can't drink it. And they're out in the desert, and it looks like some of them are going to start to die. So the people grumble. I want to say this is kind of understandable. <laughs> it's life and death. So they grumble against Moses saying, what are we to drink? We brought our children out here. We trusted you. We trusted that you would bring us to where this was safe. You've been here before. What do we have to drink? And then comes the key verse, in a sense. And what happens is four things. <laughs> Moses cries out to the Lord, okay? He prays. He just turns it over to God and says, God, and I don't know what he prayed, but he cried out. He got, these people are going to kill me, so do something or whatever it was. And the Lord does a strange thing, right? The Lord showed him a piece of wood. Now, there's something very, very interesting about here that we don't get in the English, okay? And it's the word showed, okay? Because it's an unusual word. It's not used very often as a verb, it's used often as a noun. You would recognize the noun, maybe. It's the noun Torah, law, God's, God's commandments, the books of Moses, the, the law. And, and so what, what happens is, what it really says is that the Lord Torahed Moses. The Lord gave the law to Moses to bring him to this piece of wood. 
Hold on to that. We're going to come back to it, all right? So Moses cries out. The Lord shows him a piece of wood. He takes the piece of wood and he throws it into the water, and the water is good to drink. It's healed. It's restored back to what it was supposed to be before there was sin, so to speak, all right? And so that's what happens, and everybody drinks, and the crisis is averted. And, and, and then we don't know if it was the same day, the next day, but I think it was fairly soon. They come to Elam, and Elam is an amazing place. If you were with us during Revelation, you know that numbers in the Bible can be important, especially just some basic ones. They came to Elam where there were 12 springs. 12 is one of those numbers of fullness. 12 tribes, 12 apostles. There were 12 springs. What that means is there was enough for everybody. Every tribe got its own spring. And there were 70 palm trees, seven times 10. I mean, it's just, again, it, it, maybe there were literally 70, but, but man, it's, it's, it, what it's saying is this is a little taste of paradise. This is, if you've ever been to Palm Springs in the desert, it's awesome. If you haven't, go. Because you're in the desert and all of a sudden there's these trees and this water and it's green and it's so beautiful. That's what this was. God brings them to Elam and Elam is awesome. And Laura Copley was talking about this passage once and she asked what I think is a great question. I think it's the question the Bible wants us to ask. God, why didn't you take them to Elam first? (laughs) You know, why didn't you just take them to paradise first? Why didn't you just bring them there? Why'd you let them go tomorrow? Why'd you let them go for three days without water? And, and here's the reason, and this is what we need to understand about, about the desert and about where the Ten Commandments fit in. You see, God's people need to learn to trust him. God's people need to learn about the God who rescues them. That's what the desert time is about for them. And, and, and in a sense, that's what it's about for us as well. We're saved, but we're still on the journey until we get called home or Jesus comes back. And it's on that journey that God guides us and leads us and shapes us, all right? It's on our way home during the desert time here that God's people learn and grow. Somebody once put it this way. They said, you know, God has taken his people out of Egypt. And what has to happen now is he has to take Egypt out of his people. (laughs) God forgives all of our sin, but he still needs to get the sin out of us, the brokenness, the selfishness out of us. He has taken his people out of Egypt. He has saved them, what we would say justified. But now it's time to sanctify them, to change them. That's what's happening here. That's what's going on. And that's where it fits our situation so well because we need to learn to, to trust God. Now, there are three lessons here. The first two I'm going to do real quick, and then the third one is where I want to spend a little bit of time because it gets at getting us ready for the Ten Commandments. But the first one is God's people learn, and and we know this. God will not always make it easy. Uh, He will not always just bring us to Elam. Sometimes he'll let us go a while without water. Sometimes he'll let us taste the bitterness of this life. Sometimes we'll face the brokenness. And part of it is, is just the brokenness of this world. Until we get home, that's going to happen. Until we get home, we still sin. But God doesn't always take away the pain. God doesn't always take away the brokenness. And part of why he doesn't do that is he wants us to learn to trust him. To know that it's maybe not in our way, maybe not in our time, but he will provide. God will provide, even in the desert. And, and, and for those of you who maybe right now are in a desert and you're tired and you're thirsty and you're wondering, God, I can't do this much longer, God will take care of us. 
And I know it's tough, and, and, and God knows it's tough. But the third thing, and this is the one that, that I really want us to think about just for a couple of minutes here. It, it, it gets at God's word and God's law. But when we listen to God's word, when we listen to God's law, we find strength in the desert. That's what it's there for, to give us strength in the desert. That's why I said that, that the Lord Torahed Moses, right? The, the Lord gave him the word, the guidance, and, more, uh, and Moses obeyed that Torah, that guidance, that instruction, and, and it brought him to a place where he could find that which made the water sweet. And that's why God gives us his commandments. That's what he's doing there. He knows we're in the desert and we need help. And so he says, this is how you can live. The very end of that verse, it says there, the Lord issued what? A ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. God gave them commandments and, and, and he put them to the test, not of whether he was going to love them or not, but whether they would trust him in the desert, whether they would trust him in the brokenness of this world. Verse 26, he said, if you listen carefully, look at this, if you listen carefully <clears throat> to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, and it's almost repeated, if you pay attention to his commands... And, and if you keep all of his decrees, all right, if you do all of that, if you listen to my words, God says, I will not bring on you any of the diseases brought, brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, again, I want to make very clear, this is not to say that nothing bad will happen to us. If we obey God's word, nothing bad. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God is saying here. God is saying, you know what, we will find strength in the desert. We will find healing in the desert. We will, we will be able to make it through the desert if we listen to his word. And that's why we have the Ten Commandments. That's how I want you to see the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not there to make our lives difficult. It's not that God said, oh, this is going to be too easy, so I'm going to give them these rules and, and, and make it really hard for them to, to live in this uh, desert place. No, it's not to make our lives difficult. It's not to keep us from having fun. And it's not... It's not to get God to save us. It's not a test that says, are we going to ever be good enough so that, God, you will love us? No, it's to guide us. It's to help us. It's to strengthen us on our journey through the desert. It's, it's to teach us how to live in freedom. Again, the people of Egypt, we ourselves, have been in sin. We are, we are, our old natures are still there. We live in a culture that is self-centered, that is filled with sin. And if we're going to follow God, he needs to take the Egypt out of us, right? And so he wants to teach us how to live free. We're set free in this, in this series that we're talking about, to live free. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about. They are God's guide to freedom. They are God's guide to the fullest of life that we can have. Jesus said, I came that you can have life and have it to the full. He says, this is how you can have it. And so very practically, as we get into the Ten Commandments, one of the things I want you to think about with each one, and, and you can do this with any commandment in the Old Testament, it's fun or strange to do it with some of them in Leviticus, but that's a whole other thing. But think about this. Every commandment that God gives us is there to help us avoid a ditch or to experience a fuller life in Christ. Every commandment God gives us, I think about you guys, Nick and Brittany and Katie and Mark, you're going to have rules for these kids, right? <laughs> they won't understand it because none of us do when we're 12 or 15. But you're only giving them rules to protect them, right? You're going to give them rules to guide them, to keep them out of the ditch so that they don't ruin their lives. 
so things don't fall apart. And every one of the Ten Commandments, and let me just real quick, it's not going to be for a few weeks. For, well, you'll forget this by the time we get there. But, but when God says, remember the Sabbath day, what he wants to say is, man, if you work all the time, you're going to end up in the ditch. And if you think the world depends on you, you're going to end up in the ditch. You know, part of what God gives us this, this commandment for is to say, I want you to not work for a day and discover that the world's still held together. Sometimes that's hard to believe. That's why I, I do actually, I have to show up here every day because otherwise this is going to all fall apart. No. I need to learn better to say, God, this is not my church. This is your church. It's in your hands. So I can do this. It reminds me. And when I start to take the weight of the world on my shoulder, it crushes me. Don't bear false witness. It doesn't say this because, oh, lying is naughty. No, he says this because you can't have honest relationships without trust. You, you know what that's like. If somebody lies to you, man, it just the relationship goes in a ditch, at least for a time. And every single command that God gives us, we're going to ask ourselves, why? What, what is this intended to do? How does this help us? How does this help us live a fuller life in Jesus Christ? You know, it's an interesting, uh, I don't have anything written down on it, but a guy by the name of Dale Ellis, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, he's not a Christian, so be careful with all this, but, but it's, it's fascinating, he's got a, uh, he's talked on NPR, he's a, a very wealthy guy who teaches people how to have success, and, and, and he talks about having, you know, 12 strategies for success, and they're things like, forgive others. He gives away 75% of his income. Tell the truth. And I thought, dude, Moses said all these things about 3,000 years ago, buddy. This is not new information. Now, he's not a Christian. He's not doing it. He's not Jewish for any religious reason. But, but just recognizing that he's saying, if you want to live a better life, live this way, that's what God is saying to us. That's why we can join the psalmist in Psalm 119 saying, I love your law, Lord. Because it's there not to save me, but to help me. Now, before we finish, I want to say this. We have a tendency to misuse the commandments. The people of Israel did, and the church has since almost day one. And, and, and what that tendency is, is we turn them into a checklist that we can use to prove that we are good and, and that God should love us. We say, look, I am a Christian because I don't cut my grass on Sunday. I remember the Sabbath, therefore I'm going to heaven. If you think you're going to heaven... Because you don't cut your grass on Sunday, you got another thing coming. You only get to heaven one way, and that's through the grace of Jesus Christ. If you think you're going to heaven because you've never killed anybody, you don't understand what Jesus is going to say about do shall not kill and what it means with our words. Friends, these things were never intended to save us. These things were never intended to be a club to make us feel great and to beat up on the people around us who are so bad. But that's the way it was in Jesus' time. And it leaked into the church. Paul, in writing a letter to the Galatians, he was writing to this church, and already they had started to say, okay, it's Jesus plus the law. That's what saves us, right? The law is there to tell us, and if we do this, if we get circumcised, if we obey the Sabbath, if we eat the right foods and so on, if we do all these things right, if we follow all the instructions, then we are saved. Paul says, are you crazy? Don't you know? No one who relies on the law is justified before God. No one is saved before our God if you, if you depend on the law. Never was intended to be that. 
We are not saved by the law. He says no one's been saved by the law because the righteous live by faith. We're saved by grace. That's what saves us, God's amazing grace. And I don't care who you are or what you've done, God's grace reaches out to you. And if you want to know how to surrender to it, talk to me after the service. Paul says, you know, friends, nobody is saved by believing in the law or being good enough. We're saved by grace. He goes on then to say this, though. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You're free in Christ. But, but, while you're out in the desert waiting until you get home, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Fascinating, huh? Paul says the law is no good if you rely on it to save you. But it's a great guide for life. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Just do that. And you'll take care of all the other ones. You'll take care of all the other ones. Love God and love your neighbor. The Ten Commandments are not there to save us. The Ten Commandments are there to guide us and protect us and to heal us, to show us how to live free. And so as we get ready, now there's one more thing we have to do in context. Next week we're going to talk about the, the, the gift that we have that the people of Israel did not have, that we have following Jesus. But as we get to the commandments, remember, these are not clubs. These are not things you say, oh, if I try hard enough, then God will. No. Friends, we are set free, and this is how we live free. I'm saved by grace. And so I take them seriously because I want to live in the fullness of life. Again, it doesn't mean I'm not going to go in the ditch, but it, I want to live as fully as I can. And, and friends, we all need those lessons. And, and join us as we continue then to learn how to live free as we listen to learn to God, learn to listen to God's word. Let's pray together. Father, so often we want to turn your commandments into saying, oh, such good children, aren't we? We're the good kids in the family, not like our brothers and sisters who are naughty, who are going to the mall today, or doing other naughty things. Forgive us. Forgive us when we've turned your gift of the law into a way to try to justify ourselves and help us to see it as the gift that it is that you want us to live in freedom and joy and, and, and with the sweet waters of life. So where we find Mara, give us your word to bring us to sweetness and help us to trust, whether we're in Elam or Mara, that you will take care of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.